your host. Welcome back to Learn With Less, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. In this podcast series, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, outline some insight about early development, and talk about life as a parent or caregiver in these early years of parenthood. The mission of Learn With Less is to provide confidence to new parents that you can support and connect with your baby or toddler without having to buy a single toy. This episode was recorded with a live audience of parents and caregivers as an added benefit of those participating in the Learn With Less curriculum online program. If you'd like to hear more about Learning With Less or about my best-selling books, Understanding Your Baby or Understanding Your Toddler, open up a new tab in your browser to my website, learnwithless.com. If you enjoy this episode, I hope you'll take just a moment of your time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This allows us to reach more families and share our values of education, inclusivity, simplicity, and respect when it comes to early learning and early parenthood. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to a yellet. Hello to the singers. Hello, 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 hello. Hello to the babies. Hello to the toddlers. Hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I'll help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name. Hello to your name. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Today we've got a special guest on Learn With Less. Stacy Landberg, a pediatric speech-language pathologist and creator of SpeechTherapy.com. Let's welcome her to the show. Hello to Stacy, hello to Stacy, hello, 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 hello to all our old friends, hello to all our new friends, hello, 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 one last time. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. Today, I am speaking with Stacy Landberg of SpeechTherapy.com. Stacy has devoted her career to supporting communication and connection between young children and their caregivers. She has worked in the homes of hundreds of families across Southern California, and she has guest lectured to early education specialists across the United States. At the time of this recording, Stacy is in her 15th year of professional practice as a speech-language pathologist, and her current work is focused on interdisciplinary and early intervention and dissemination of best practice patterns for improved child and family outcomes. Stacy, you are an incredible resource for parents and caregivers and professionals working with families, so I'm so excited to finally have you on the show today. Welcome. Yay, thank you, Ayelet. I'm so happy to be <laughs> a guest. Uh, it's, it's just an honor, because I obviously love the work that you do as well. Thank you. Well, I've asked you to come onto the show today specifically to talk about, you know, how to use everyday routines to support infant and toddler development. But first, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about you and how you got into the work that you are doing today? Sure. So 
I feel like you already gave me a really generous introduction. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, I always knew I wanted to work with little, little ones, early intervention. So that was why I specifically like went to the program that I went to and pursued that. And then I stuck with it, but it's easy to get burnt out because as we know, like little people are can be exhausting. Because as we know, both as parents and professionals. Yes. And so, you know, then I had my own kids very close in age. They're 19 months apart. And I was just really in the thick of like motherhood and how hard that was. It was a very, you know, I dealt with all the postpartum stuff and it was such a hard transition. And that kind of reinvigorated me to want to just support parents, period. Not even, you know, of course, parents, because I'm a speech pathologist of kids with special needs, but just just saw all parents need support. And so, yeah, I just have such a calling towards this young age group. I will say that around like my kids turning four, five, six, it's like every year the clouds lift a little bit more, <laughs> but I feel like those early years are just so precious. And so that's kind of why I've devoted most of my career to that age yeah. group. Well, we've talked you know, certainly talked on this podcast about everyday routines and everyday household objects. But I would love to start by just hearing from you in your own words, what do everyday routines have to do with early development? So everyday routines are like the context, right? Basically, I don't even I know that it's called routines based intervention, but I don't even love calling it that because as you know, you know, a lot of people we think of a routine as brushing your teeth. But even within that, there are those tiny little moments between like choosing your toothbrush, opening the toothpaste, putting it on. So it's more of like these, and I think you've used the word before, like these mundane moments, right? So it's creating the magic in those little moments for me that's so cool and special because really as adults, we do that stuff automatically. That's our procedural memory. Just we don't think about it. We don't even know later if we think someone asks you, where did you put your toothbrush back? Like on the left side or the right side, you might not even remember because it's so habitual, right? But for little people, it's like those tiny moments are new and exciting for them. And that's really where learning happens. And of course, it happens within play as well. But when we bring those elements of play into these little moments, or just love and excitement into them, that was such a mind shift for me as a parent, because I had been doing therapy, right, in air quotes, for so long with like a bag of toys, a bag of tricks and sitting down. And then I had my own children. And I was like, Whoa, what am I ever going to sit down and do this with them? And I didn't need to because that's not where the magic happens. Right. So it was such a mind shift for me, even though I had that training in school, and I I was aware of it. It just Yeah, it, it really shifted for me once I entered motherhood. I don't know. Did I actually answer your question about what routines? Well, know? yeah. I mean, it like you said, it's the context for yeah. learning, right? right? It's that it's it's those things that happen day in and day out. It's implanting those moments with play. I think that's yeah, that's such a key. And playfulness. And playfulness right? yeah. So because we all have our own sort of definitions of what play looks like, right? So you know, if you're playful. To, to children, that's how they experience it as fun. So, okay, so let's get a little bit deeper into it. What is it about everyday mundane tasks and everyday objects that, that are such powerful opportunities for supporting early development? What, what makes them so strong? Okay, so they're special, right? So first, let's talk about the mundane moments, the routines themselves. Why are they special? They're special because 
they happen over and over and over again, right? So, and they're functional for the most part, meaning a parent doesn't have to add anything else to their schedule. They don't have to go to a class. They don't have to read a specific book, get a specific object. They're already doing it. They're already picking out socks. They're already putting shoes on and they have functional outcomes, meaning when you embed our activities, our learning and our play into these moments, the functional outcome is my child's shoes are on their feet and we're ready to go. So now, <laughs> right? so now as a parent, it's like, okay, I didn't have to add anything extra because we're already so overwhelmed, right? And then it, there's the opportunities for repetition, right? Because you wash your hands five times a day or however, 20 times a day. So the idea is if you're already doing it, the child has that opportunity of repetition to learn and practice. But if you're going to say, okay, instead, you know, we have to add play or a, a specific toy or a specific routine or this or that. How often does that get done? How often does the child have that interaction? It might be once a week instead of five times a day. Two of the reasons they're special, routines are also predictable. So like I said, for adults, it's this like automatic memory. And so if we do something the same way kind of every day, like, okay, it's we're going to eat. I'm going to pull the high chair over to the table. I'm going to reach over. You're going to reach up. I'm going to put you in. Well, maybe the child is reaching up there because, you know, reaching up to request being picked up because that happens so frequently that they've learned, okay, in this routine, this is where my job is. This is how I initiate. And those are the building blocks, right? So the routine is kind of like the anchor. It happens all the time. It happens in the same way very often. And then the child knows, oh, this is where I get a part. This is how I can initiate. And then as adults, we build off of that. So they reach up and we say, up. Ah! And then the next time and the next time and that happens 20 more times and then they say up and then we say up now you're in and then the child, you know, so it's like there are these building blocks that are anchored within the routine. That's why they're special. Yeah, those are literally the moments of learning, of learning language, of learning fine motor tasks, of learn uh, all of it <laughs> and building anticipation, which, of course, is a cognitive task. Like it's all all in there. I love it. Thank you for that. OK, so why are early inter? I mean, this is, I think, fairly clear where we're going. Going with this, right? Why are early interventionists and developmental therapists implementing more of this, as you called it, a routines based intervention model with families? And talk a little bit about the difference between that and then what you had described earlier as that model of like more traditional therapy what that looked like or what that used to look like with zero to three year olds, because we do have a model of routines based intervention. There are even some states now that require early intervention therapists, those serving zero to three year olds to implement a routines based intervention approach. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So there is like a nationwide shift. And in some states, we're a little more ahead in this direction than others. But basically, the old, like what we would consider like the old way is the traditional model and you it's also been called the medical model or living room therapy. So the clinician comes in with like a bag of tricks and sets up the therapy in the living room and just says like, okay, now we're going to do potato head. Now we're going to do blocks. Now we're going to do read a book. And it's not to say there's not benefits from that, but especially with this really young age, we know that we can have such a bigger impact on a child's overall development when we embed learning into, let's say like 10 or 20 everyday moments moments than in this like one hour devoted because 
that's the value of the routines they repeat so frequently. And so I might be a specialist with speech and language, right? But every parent is going to be the expert on their child. So if I can teach mom or dad or help support them on how to do this when snack time, when, you know, opening the door to go outside and play, then that intervention can happen 20 times a day all throughout the week, even when I'm not there. So it's this model of supporting parents. And as parents, as we feel supported, we're encouraged and we realize, hey, I have the tools. I just maybe, you know, needed to see them from a different perspective. And now I get to use them effectively with my child. Yeah, exactly. I hear from so many parents. You know, I came into this, I know that these are, you know, special and precious moments that I have to take advantage of the these first three years, there's so much brain development, blah, 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 right. And this is there's marketing tactics that are this is what the baby industry is using to market, you know, expert curated toys and toy subscription boxes. And, and so when we realize that, okay, <laughs> the learning is literally happening right in front of you. That's so powerful and such a shift. And I think it's been a real shift too, and is continuing to be a shift for many therapists as well and, and professionals working with, with families, because it does require a little bit more of many things, including more flexibility, more integrating the, the parent or caregiver into the therapy and so many different things. So Oh, I was going to say you made me think of something. I hope it's okay to chime in with this. But I just feel like the like what you hit on with the, the marketing industry and like you need this toy or that book or this, you know, in my mind, like those are not for the child. Those yeah. are for the adult, right? Yeah. Because the child is so excited about putting the lid on the toothpaste and trying to figure that out and that magical moment and hearing the word toothpaste and like our excitement about it and that opportunity of just simple engagement is thrilling for them, right? So for adults to get that same thrill out of something we've done a gazillion times, we have to have something novel or exciting, right? So the new book or the new toy or the this or that kind of invigorates that adult's passion. Yeah. But, you know, really, it's not at all needed for the child. This is all new and exciting for them every little moment. Well, and that is exactly why I love showing families how those mundane everyday objects are so powerful and, and that you can do exactly the same thing with a beautiful plush finger puppet and a dishwashing glove or a sock or a paper bag. Exactly. It's all right there in front of you. It's a matter of exploding your own sense of like, oh, actually it has exactly the same developmental value. It's all a matter of how you use it. Yeah. So that really brings me into my next question. And I know that you are familiar with the philosophy that I am calling learn with less. So how does this really go hand in hand with this new model of intervention? Can you explain to the people? I, I kind of feel like that's sort of what we've been describing all yeah. along. Definitely. It goes both in the same, like ground, grounded in the same philosophy. Yeah. Uh, what else can I add to that though? I, I guess sometimes my concern is actually that all the stuff, all the like, you know, toys and electronics and all these things are almost a distraction mm -hmm. from missed opportunities that we're not getting when we include the child in sweeping with us, right? Because it's like, oh, well, look at that. Here's the new toy. So I, I do. I just definitely feel like less is more because yeah. with less, you are bringing more to the table, right? Like now it's about the engagement and the interaction, which is really, that's more important to any child's learning than anything else, right? Yeah. Is that relationship piece. 
So how do we really infuse all of these things with the relationship piece? That's what we're going to get into in just a second. So we're going to take a break to hear just a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll hear a few tips from Stacy about supporting early development through everyday routines and hear about some of her favorite resources for parents and caregivers interested in learning a bit more about this topic. So as a parent or caregiver of an infant or a toddler, you want to make sure you're doing it right. But everywhere you look, there's another learning toy or a fancy subscription box that you don't have room for and that your child seems to lose interest in all too quickly. You want to support your infant or toddler's development, but you struggle finding the right toys or enough time and energy to do it. You just want the map to get through these first few years and find more joy in the journey as well. If any of this rings true for you, you're in the right place. Right now I'm giving away my free infant and toddler development blueprint, a straightforward guide that will help you discover the four major areas of development in the first three years of life and what's involved in each of those areas. Find out what you can do to support development using what you already have in your home, Learn how to follow my four pillar framework to maximize the time you're already spending with your tiny human and much, much more. If you are ready to boost your infant or toddler's learning, stop feeling like you're winging it all the time and simplify your life, head to learnwithless.com blueprint and download my free infant toddler development blueprint today. Okay, Stacy. Let's hear it. We would love to hear your top tips for parents and caregivers who are hoping to maximize those interactions they have within everyday routines. So what are some of your best tips for families who need a few more ideas and support? Because again, this is not just about intervention. This is about all families. We can all use these things. They are just the building blocks for learning and development, whether your child is developing along a typical progression or whether they are experiencing delays. Let's hear your best tip. Okay. I feel like this is actually a hard question for me because it's just in so many ways, it feels like common sense, right? Like use what you have, make it fun, get in there, be, you know, just be creative, but actually like being creative is not all that easy for a lot of adults and a lot of parents because you know, we all we have a constant task list of things to do. So we know that play is great for children. So of course, anytime we can play and just, you know, I always say just like, look at what's in your recycling bin. Like, what can you just take out of that and make into play? You know, like, you know, I mean, I don't have to give you any ideas. You're the expert on this. But, um, you know, t- toilet paper rolls that you literally like roll down a hill. Like, that is so exciting to kids, right? So I just think it's this idea of novelty a lot of times, like looking at something from a different lens. And in that sense, my biggest tip for parents is mindful activities that they can do for themselves, right? So that we are making time for ourselves to practice mindfulness, to engage in something that's creative and artistic or beautiful for ourselves, whether it's cooking, whether it's gardening, whether it's knitting, like whatever it is, something like those practices, we have to think that we're using a different part of our brain when we're doing that. And as Mm -hmm. we're experiencing that, we want to think that's what we want to bring. That sense of presence is what we want to bring to the moment of putting the shoes on, right? Like how do we bring the art into this and that same feeling that we're getting, right? 
into these other moments because for children, that's what the thinking is happening in their brain. We're just over conditioned and we've done it thousands of times. But if we can build our own mindfulness practices, you know, it's like I said, I don't have a lot of stuff, but it goes along with your learn with less curriculum because we don't need a lot of stuff. I don't need to give you a list of 20 resources to then take extra time away to build. So I would say prioritizing like your own mental health. That's always my first. Yeah creating some time for mindfulness for yourself and then realizing that that's what we want to cultivate in these everyday moments for kids. So it's not a magic cookbook or any recipe like that, but that is my top suggestion. I love that. And I love the two sides of it because it's that feeling that you get when you're doing the thing that you need to do for yourself. Like that's, and you're able to do that with your child so much better when you've had that moment, but that's what we bring to that moment of play. And like you said, putting your shoes on, like that's, that's it. Oh, I love it. What are, what else? <laughs> Sorry. So other thing is as for parents, a lot of our kids with the springtime stuff and, and that's a different topic altogether. But what I will say is we know kids like to watch the videos that are like opening a box, right? And we look at it and we're like, that's so boring. We watched cartoons or this was so exciting. But if we just look at that content that they're interested in and think like, look, they care about the silly little stuff. So maybe, maybe we can just use that as a, as a guide for ourselves to be like, it doesn't have to be fancy, doesn't have to be expensive, but I can realize how powerful just the simplest little thing is and that my child is interested in it and how we can use that kind of just like as a reminder for ourselves. I didn't want to overwhelm parents with two. Yeah, no, well, those two are just such great tips. And I mean, for more specific ideas, check out my Instagram or Facebook page. And I know you're always sharing fun things too, Stacey. Yes. And I've definitely, I mean, you're one of my go-to resources all the time. So I feel like there's a lot out there, but there's not a lot that I can recommend wholeheartedly knowing it's really quality content. So thank you for that. Thank you. That's a huge testimonial and I feel very honored. So what are some of the other favorite resources that you do like to share with families? Yeah. So I often share, of course, zero to three, just for mm -hmm. overall development. I like that one. There's the family guided routines based intervention website that's out of Florida state. So that's my former professor's website where she talks all about embedding into daily routines. That's my number one website for professionals. Mm, um, but parents can also see videos there. Then there's there's a few others that are sometimes parents like to watch a video, right? To see like, well, what should I be doing? Or what should this look like? So the Center for the Developing Child out of Harvard also has some really high quality content that I highly recommend. And it's free. Great. Thank you so much, Stacey. This is awesome. And thanks to all of our participants of the Learn With Less curriculum who are listening live as a benefit to our membership community. So we will continue the discussion and open up for a Q&A session for you guys in just a minute. But for everyone listening from home or on the go, thanks so much for joining us and we will see you next time. Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies. Goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye bigger kids. Goodbye to the siblings. Goodbye to the grown-ups. Goodbye to the singers. Goodbye Ayala. Goodbye to Stacy. We laughed and we played. We're getting very clever. This is what counts. Being here together. 
Thank you so much, everyone. The Learn With Less podcast brings you information, tips, and resources about all things early parenthood and early childhood. Don't forget to download our free infant toddler development blueprint by heading to learnwithless.com blueprint today. If you haven't yet done so, please do leave a review of the Learn With Less podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. That helps other people find the good work we're doing. And after you've done that, go ahead and share Learn With Less with a friend or colleague. See you next time.